Anyway, this morning, I'm going to put this recorder, to wedge it, the second one, under the uh, tripod mount. So I've really now got two recorders going. I'm really not sure what the outcome will be, but we can hope and trust that the configuration is appropriate for what we're trying to accomplish, which is really to capture the sound coming from my lips, the voice, the word of the Lord. Of course, I'm just the carrier, much like the prophets in the Old Testament were. Behind me is the, the sign of the chimes in this very pleasant little room that uh, that the Lord uh, saw fit to create this little piece of paradise reminding us of our trip to Port Isaac in 2012. Anyhow <clears throat> A couple of nights ago, it wasn't last. It wasn't last night. It was the night before last. The Lord woke me up and had me start typing into a text message that I send to myself. Many words, messages. At one point, the Lord's Prayer. Well, that's how it's described in the Gospel of Matthew. And I. Uh, heard that when we ask we don't ask our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory for ever and ever amen Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Those two lines there, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Two nights ago, Lord said, thy kingdom isn't coming, it's already come. It's here, it's present, it's now. It's now when you can see it. Not see it in the physical plane. Not in the three dimensions we know of, of length, breadth and height, nor in the fourth dimension of time, but in the fifth dimension of the spirit realm. And that really leads me to when I woke up this morning, I said last night was a peaceful night's sleep. The Lord didn't wake me. I slept between 1am and roughly 7 o'clock this morning. And then after I rose, there before me reached out to the wink of faith written by Bill Volkman another one of God's containers with a foreword from Norman Grubb the uh, the book was printed in 1983 
and uh, actually I'm going to read Norman's forward in this I believe Norman and Bill had a relationship through an endeavor called the Union Life magazine of which I'm privileged to have a few copies um, anyhow it's a magazine that spoke of the uh, reality of Union Life this one ship we share with the Father through the Son, through the Spirit Norma's forward I'll read over the past five years Bill, Mol Bill Volkman has had a major impact on my life I have watched this man who has many worldly gifts and abilities find his completed self by a total absorption in otherworldly activities of the spirit in this book Bill first traces for us the ways and they are long for most of us by which a total, totally dedicated mountain climber he, caught, he scaled peak after peak of further spiritual enlightenment finding that only Mount Everest would satisfy but there is an Everest, and he found it, that self-fulfillment of which Jesus spoke when he said, If the Son shall make you free, then you shall be free indeed. Paul called it his ultimate ministry to the body of Christ, to present every man perfect as incomplete in Jesus Christ, or in Christ Jesus. It is the privileged possession of every born-again believer but in fact only a few experience it. Because of this, when what Browning called the imprisoned splendor shone into Bill, he had the inescapable compulsion, and I know what compulsion is in my own life, according to God's purpose to bring this same fullness of light and freedom to the whole redeemed church of Christ. In his freedom of self-giving, not self-getting, he uses his gifts and abilities to publish Union Life magazine. In cooperation with many of us who are driven by the same compulsion, he sees a worldwide church-wide commission to bring this completion to God's people. In the Reformation, Luther brought us the glorious truth of justification by faith. And now, in this 20th century Reformation, and I would say now in this 21st century Reformation, we build on that to produce a greater glory, completion. Bill not only gives us, in his down-to-earth way, the explicit details of his own pilgrimage from the wilderness to the promised land, but he makes use of his keen business and legal mind, enlightened by the Spirit and steeped in the Scriptures, to go much further. He tells us in specific terms just what this more perfect way of God is, putting in his own words what he has personally learned from the writings of Peter, Paul, James and John. In the process he sheds, or process if you're British, in the process he sheds great light on the message we call Union Life. He then exhorts us as intercessors and, and soldiers in action to get out to the whole church what we call total truth and to take our privileged share in filling that sorry to take our privileged share in 
filling up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ for his body's sake, till we all come to perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So many of you will be thrilled, absorbed and enlightened, as I am, by Bill, not only by Bill, but by Christ in Bill's form. 1st June 1983, Norman Grubb. As I said um, this morning when I got up, and these other connections show me really that the, the, as Paul said, we waged war not with flesh and blood, but with powers and principalities. And as Christians, if we don't understand the realm of the power, powers and principalities then we are we have still much to learn and God is faithful he will teach us as as he is to me right now um, I I knew of these realms I read them in scriptures but I didn't have knowledge of them and now in this last month or so in, in fact in this last week or so uh, God has um, is teaching me and instructing me in the realm of the fifth dimension. So, anyway, get on. The books or the chapter is the fifth dimension. All humans are incarnations of deity. There's a brief introductory passage here written by Andrew Murray, who was a Scottish man, who through whom the Lord wrote much about life of prayer. In fact, I learned about Andrew Murray through a gentleman I met at Christchurch in 2002. Anyway, there is a mystical element in all true religion, both objectively and in the revelation of subjectivity, subjectively in the faith. As long as mysticism is regarded as a system which aims at making all whom it can reach into nothing but mystics, it is no wonder it should be looked on with apprehension. But if once it be understood that mystics have a special gift and a calling in the body of Christ, that, like all specialists, their value consists in devoting themselves to one side or sphere of the divine life, thereby to benefit those who have not the same gift or calling, and that the result of what they attain must become the common property of those members of Christ's bodies whose talents point them to other parts of the great field of Christian life and duty. Prejudice will be lessened, and the immense benefit acknowledged which the Church has from the presence and life of those who so intensely witness for the unseen and incomprehensible. Uh, that excerpt is from Andrew Murray. Chapter 9, The Fifth Dimension, All Humans Are Incarnations of Deity For we walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 We can never experience our full inheritance in Christ until we first realize that there is a spiritual dimension to life that goes beyond the visible physical dimension. Most of us get so involved with the three-dimensional world of space length, breadth and height, and the fourth dimension of time 
that we are slow in coming to see the greater reality of the fifth dimensional world of spirit which is beyond both space and time. Four dimensions are okay for plants and animals but humans tend to feel cramped there. When we live in four dimensions we have only our limited natural faculties to go by. Human intellect, emotional feelings and external appearances are our only basis of judgment and decisions. But something in us feels trapped. We yearn for some kind of release. Of course, the something that longs for freedom is our human spirit, that image of God, which distinguishes, which distinguishes us from other animals and which belongs to the eternal fifth dimension realm. We have our first exhilarating experience of spiritual freedom when we are born again in Christ. But the Christian life often becomes little more than a frustrating effort to pray more, read the Bible more, witness more, etc. Not very different from the world's rat race we are saved from. Only when we get frustrated enough, we are ready to admit the utter inadequacy of our human faculties to deal with the filth or spirit sorry, to deal with the fifth or spiritual dimension. Then we will be ready to put aside our limited human minds and accept the mystery of the gospel, which is the union of our spirits with the spirit of Christ. Now, we can experience true fulfillment, for our spirits are released and have found expression in Christ. This is the dimension which we are created for. We are each to know the spirit reality of a personal incarnation, Christ living in us as us. This does not negate our humanity or the temporal reality of the four dimensions, but brings us to a level of awareness which enables us to realize our full humanity, which includes our human spirit. The Bible constantly speaks of a dimension beyond externals and experiences. Jesus calls it the kingdom of God. In Corinthians 2 and verse and chapter 5, Paul called I apologize. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul called it the faith dimension in contrast to the sight dimension. In that chapter and the two preceding ones, Paul used at least seven, at least 11 pairs of contrasting terms to distinguish the two. In the sight dimension, I'll read two lists. The first is the sight dimension, the second is the faith dimension. In the sight dimension, the letter. The faith dimension, spirit. In the sight dimension, ministry of death. In the faith dimension, ministry of the spirit. And then we've got ministry of condemnation versus the ministry of righteousness. We have the sight dimension of that which fades away, and in the faith dimension, that which remains. In the sight dimension, darkness. In the, in the spirit dimension, light, or faith dimension. We have outer man versus inner man, seen versus unseen, temporal versus eternal, mortality versus life, appearance versus the heart, man in flesh, in the faith dimension, the man in Christ. I will print these or make a table up of these in this post today 
on the Chrysazos Podbean site so you can see the, the, the difference and also I'll include a link where I can find copies of this book on Amazon. It was my friend Dan Stone's it was my friend Dan Stone's frequent use of the simple words outer and inner that finally opened my eyes to spirit reality and the fifth dimension. I suddenly saw that for years I had mistakenly focused on my outer vessel and had given scant attention to the inner me, the real me, the Christ in me, who had replaced the Satan in me at the time of my rebirth as a young boy. My slowness in coming to see who I was, who I really was, as an inner person probably stemmed from my religious training as well as from my personality and interests. Because I had been warned in my youth by both my mother and my Sunday school teachers to stay away from anything mystical or metaphysical, lest I be sidetracked into religious error. I purposely avoided all philosophical, philosophical questioning and reading. As a rational Christian lawyer, accountant and businessman, I was too busy serving God and making money, and I really had neither the time nor the interest to delve into those areas. But my four near-death experiences in the 60s had caused me to slow down and ask some questions that I had not considered earlier. In my quest, I had participated in certain charismatic gifts and experiences which in turn forced me to face into the areas we call mysticism and metaphysics. I, I then realized that I had thrown out the baby with the bathwater just because certain groups who deny the atonement also emphasize mysticism and uh, metaphysics does not mean that these subjects are taboo and should be ignored. The truth is that all men are mystics, whether they realize it or not. Mysticism is simply man's inner knowledge of divinity, man's intuitive realization of union with God. Because the true light enlightens every man, John chapter 1 and verse 9, all men have a spark of this inner knowing of what their destiny is meant to be. Believers have responded positively to this inner illumination and have come to know and honor Christ as Savior and Lord. On the other hand, unbelievers damn themselves and are without excuse. For even they know God and do not honor Him as God or give thanks. Romans chapter 1 and verse 21. It is equally absurd to avoid metaphysics in spite of the bad publicity it gets in some evangelical circles. Metaphysics is simply means beyond physics. It's the branch of philosophy that speculates as to the, as to the nature of being in areas beyond the physical or material. Any Christian who acknowledges the virgin birth the Incarnation, the Resurrection, the Atonement, and the indwelling Holy Spirit, and then says he re rejects metaphysics, as I did for many years, does, doesn't know what he's talking about, because all of these are in the metaphysical realm. Since we who are born again of the Spirit have acknowledged the God in the fifth dimension in our con conversion experience, why do we find it so hard to recognize the truth of the fifth dimension in the eternal now of our day-to-day -day life? In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 3,
Paul asks, Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, you are now perfected in the flesh? Using phraseology comparable to what I've been using, Paul might have said, Having begun in the inner fifth dimension spirits, are you now waiting to see yourself perfected by the outer fourth dimension flesh? Most of us have learned from bitter experience that the fourth dimension, remember that time is the fourth dimension, is powerless to perfect us. But God has arranged a workable solution. As born again new beings in Christ, we are meant to live and operate in consciousness of a new dimension, the inner fifth dimension of spirit reality. We do not have to work toward perfection. We are perfect in Christ. We do not have to overcome or become anything. We only need to stand on our awareness of who we really are in the spirit dimension, one with Christ. Then, as awareness takes us, we can say with Paul, we walk by faith and not by sight irrespective of feelings and appearances to the contrary. The key to a walk of faith that is not constantly derailed by day-to-day -day events is a fixed, settled, conscious consciousness of our union with Christ. We need to be firmly convinced of our incarnation by the Spirit of Christ. We must finally and forever see ourselves perfect expressions and forms of God. Though such terminology sounds a bit heretical at first, upon examination we find that it is quite biblical. It was Jesus himself who asked the Pharisees this question. Is it not written in your law that I say you are gods? That's from John chapter 10 and verse 34, as quoted from Psalms 82 and verse 6. These words were spoken to unbelieving Jews who are about to stone him for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. That's verse 33. Those men were denying the incarnation, the truth that God was in the man Jesus. In response, Jesus asserted his union. The Father is in me, and I in the Father. Verse 38. But why did Jesus say that they were gods? Because all of us are gods. All humans are incarnations of deity. Webster defines incarnation as any person serving as the embodiment of a god or spirit. Each of us individually, as a unique body person, is a container of deity. The Bible calls us vessels vessels of honor or dishonor. Before conversion, we were in union with the spirit of error. Now we are in union with the spirit of truth. This is the replacement that occurs at conversion. The Pharisees were of their father, the devil. Jesus was indwelt by the spirit of his heavenly father. Both the Pharisees and Jesus were containers and they, were manifest, and they manifested the spirit they contained. Sins flowed from the Pharisees because they are in union with Satan, who is sin. The fruit of the Spirit flowed as rivers of living water from Jesus. He was in union with his Father, who is love. The glory is that, as he is, so are we in this world. 
1 John chapter 4 and verse 17. Just as Jesus experienced the mystery of incarnation, we too can know the mystery of personal incarnation, Christ in us and we as Christ. Because we are indwelt by the Spirit of Truth, we too are love expressions of God. But what if someone accuses you of Satan's sin, of wanting to make yourself like the Most High? From Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 14. Knowing that you are a unique expression of God because of the indwelling Christ is not the same as wanting to independently be like God as Satan wanted. His sin was independence. He did not want to acknowledge his union with his Creator. He did not want to be a servant. He wanted to be the boss. But we delight in being unique expressions of him. We don't assert independence. We are happy to acknowledge the truth of the mystery of the gospel that Christ lives in us as us. Satan said, I will make myself like the Most High. We say, Christ lives in me as me. We cannot expect to experience the fifth dimensional world of God with our fourth dimensional human faculties. No amount of human effort will take us to the fifth dimension. Rather, we must acknowledge our personal incarnation by the Spirit of Truth. We fail to focus on fifth dimensional spirit reality. We end up with all kinds of confusion, especially in our understanding of apparently conflicting biblical truths. The Bible is replete with paradoxes. Statements are seemingly contradictory yet true. How can one explain the, patient, the, patent, the patently contradictory statements in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12 and 15, where Paul says, Not that I have already become perfect. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect. On the appearance level, as long as we are looking at things as they are outwardly, from 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 7, this is a baffling, a baffling paradox. But from the faith perspective, the fifth dimension, we have no trouble in comprehending, uh, sorry, no trouble in understanding how Paul could write of becoming perfect in one verse and then stress being perfect a few verses later. It is in context that the next few chapters will speak of growth. On the, on the fifth dimensional level, faith level. Sorry, let me just read that again. It is in this context that the next few chapters will speak of Christian growth. On the fifth dimensional faith level, Christians are already perfect and complete in Christ, even though they are decidedly imperfect and immature on the level of appearance, experience and feelings. Well, that's a really dynamite chapter, and I look forward to hearing my own reading it again. And I hope you do too. Anyway, that concludes um, what the Lord um, called me out to do today and share. So, uh, if you, uh, as usually, have any questions, uh, comments, feedback, or anything you want to share or connect with me, just you can reach out to me at um, uh, Twitter. It's Tony Maiden, T-O-N-Y-M-A-D-E-N, uh, through my website, tonymaiden.co, 
you can find me on Facebook if you're already uh, part of my um, Facebook friends and um, I'd be more than happy to connect with you and help you and help you along as uh, the Lord sees fit uh, take care good day and God bless as Fred Cornis would say that's a wrap it's really bloody amazing actually isn't it